and it's lights out and away we go! Hello and welcome to episode two of the Beyond the Fence podcast. And this time we have a guest. Now, if you have been a loyal, is that the right word? A loyal listener of any of my audio musings over the years, you will not be surprised at who I've got on as the first guest. It's, of course, Tim Ray of various internet houses. Tim, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing right. Various internet houses, yeah. yeah or, or, not, or none at all. Yeah, or none. Yeah, it's an off-the-cuff intro, but I thought you might like it. <laughs> um, but usually when we sit down in our desks to talk, we usually talk about basketball, but that's not what we're here today for, for once in our lives. Because like we usually, I think we spoke about this, because we obviously, if you have followed either of us for, I don't know, any period of time really, uh, you might be aware that we, do we say used to? Because it still technically exists, just on eternal hiatus. It's still there. I mean, you're not you're not paying for it anymore, unfortunately, but yeah. Yeah, no, the, the SoundCloud is in disrepair. There's, what, two episodes live still? <laughs> uh, Basketball Outsiders, of course. We try, we talk about um, morphing that into just general sports chat, but I guess it was too hard to pivot away from the basketball branding. So that's why we're here, to talk about the Formula One season, which is something that you have been in for a very long time, and I am more recently uh, involved in, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I've finally got you to start watching it. Although, yeah, your dad watched it for a long time before you decided to take an interest. Oh, yeah, my dad's watched it for, I don't know, 40 years now. Because <laughs> obviously him being an, an engineer is more, it's more up his alley than it is mine. I, th- I thought you were going to say, like, oh, obviously him being an engineer for one of the teams um, oh. <laughs> take, takes an interest. Well, I, think he, I think I've told you this. He, the company he used to work for in the 90s did sponsor, um, I think it was Jordan? Yeah, that probably makes it, yeah. yeah. I think I've told you, yeah. So he was special guest at a couple of Grand Prix, obviously Melbourne, but also he, he likes to brag that he's been to Silverstone and Spa. Um, so, yeah, good on him, I guess. Well, two of the better ones to go to, certainly. Yeah, but, but he's not here, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, so wh- when did you start watching F1? Um, well, I had the game on Nintendo 64, and that was the 1997 World Championship. And then the only the, the first race I distinctly remember watching was 2002 Australian Grand Prix, which is obviously famous for the uh, taking... Fl- uh, Ralph Schumacher, Barrichello taking yeah. flight. And then also it was Mark Webber's first race, which is probably why um, I was watching, because it was of, of note, I guess, uh, here. Yeah, and then I was sort of on and off. And it's it's hard as a kid, obviously, to watch it, especially in Australia. So you, Time zone, yeah. 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 Um, so I watch Australia each year. And then I guess sort of once Mark Webber really... Uh, sort of took off at Red Bull, I guess I started to take notice. So that sort of 9 10 season. And then it, I get, ever since then, obviously after finishing school, you watch most of the races. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's funny. I, I didn't realise, I totally forgot about this during my show planning, but I, I'm glad you brought up the Barrichello flip because that's obviously, uh, you've seen the wall of uh, the wall of memorabilia yes. yeah. at my house. That's uh, Dad's got a few, um, I guess, like the classic cricket advertising, like, by now there's only 500 in stock, and it's like a Mark Taylor personalised signed <laughs> that, like, you know, the, the classic, like, fr- yeah, but he's got that Barrichello flip framed 
amongst the 2002 West Tigers full squad signed jersey that, that's probably depreciating in value rapidly, uh, and several Sydney Kings basketball posters. It's it's um, such a great shot to have. Like the photo is yeah. Yeah, it's low numbered as well. So oh, if there you're you into stock card uh, <laughs> memorabilia numbering, and I think it's numbered 18 out of whatever how many they released 250 I think. Oh, there you go. Oh, did he get it through, like, one of those ones that used to ring up during the cricket? You know how they'd give, like, the number? Yeah, that's what I was talking call, about. Call now, they're yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I'll be, I, maybe. Again, this has been in my house since before I can remember. So it's been in there before the crash itself. <laughs> um, but obviously, yeah, as I've alluded to, I was a bit more recent getting into F1. It was always on at home. Like, Dad's a huge motorsport fan in general. Uh, he used to he'd watch Formula One, uh, V8s, which I know you're not a fan of. Well, just um, not not as much. I I think because I didn't yeah. uh, take to it as a as a kid. I guess I, similar to like I remember that race distinctly as the first one because of the Barrichello and yeah. Ralph, Ralph incident, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, then I think as well the fact that there's been Australian drivers. Uh, Mark Webber obviously. V8 successful at oh well, yeah but it's a different you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. like it, it, as we've talked about numerous times with basketball and the nba it's become easier to follow here as there's been more australians in the league yeah. i think australians doing well namely mike weber dan ricardo um at red bull um yeah sort of increase the popularity and obviously the fact as well that we've got our own race in our time zone which is pretty rare yeah yeah um but yeah, so I actually did like V8s a lot growing up. But yeah, Dad, like I said, into motorsports, V8s, Formula 1s, MotoGP, rally car, um, touring car, sprint car, all that sort of stuff. So I kind of watched occasionally, like I'd sit down and watch a race, or at least it'd be on, but I wouldn't really take too much active attention. Uh, I always wanted to get into it. I just couldn't, because like, I think Formula 1 is a really, it's a jargon-heavy sport. It's very technical. Uh, it's a lot harder, I think, for the casual fan to get really involved in. But then I think that's why the Drive to Survive documentary series has done some really great work. It's converting a lot of more casual fans like myself. And I know there's other instances of people that have uh, stated the reason they have started watching Formula One is because of Drive to Survive. Uh, but yeah, obviously, for something to do during lockdown last year, I think the first two seasons had been released. Uh, and yeah, I just, I was told by uh, probably you to, to watch it. And then, yeah, I guess seeing the ins and outs of the, the day-to-day operations of a Formula One team and you're always, you always know there's politics around, but just to the level that it is, it's such an interesting watch. And I guess that made me sit down and watch, I think most of the races last year, I might've missed one or two, um, but even all, all the qualifying sessions at practice, I still can't get around. Um, but yeah. I think it's that that documentary series has really converted a lot of people. Well, I think yeah, you fell into. I mean, it's exactly why they made it. Um, obviously, it's a marketing ploy. It's no doubt. It's but... basically a big ad for Formula One. Yeah. If you notice, like, I don't, I don't know how much you want to talk about it specifically, but the fact that you know it's very narrative and drama driven, it doesn't really give you an aspect um, of what a race week weekend is like, what what actually watching a race is like. It's more focused on, you know, yeah, ad- advertising the drama of the sport and like talk, like the sort of political behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, we can spend a few minutes on it because I do you, have 
Yeah. I, sorry. Uh, in this list of questions that I've given you, I've, and I mean, it's kind of ruined because we've both watched it now because, well, most of it, I think you finished it the last yep. season, haven't you? Yeah. Um, because one of the questions I noted down was the principal most likely to provide the best uh, drive to survive clip. I think now that we've watched it, that I guess who was your was your choice going to be Gunther? I feel like it has to have been Gunther. Oh, it's going to be Ricardo. I mean, he's the Gunther Steiner is the absolute st- him and Ricardo are the the breakout sort of of the entire sort of run of Drive to Survive. They've been the, the stars of the show, really. Um, I guess because they're both sort of characters that you can latch onto, and then you know it makes for Gunther. Yeah, Gunther to me at least. So where I'm up to in the new season, um, I've watched the Haas slash Alfa Romeo lower midfield battle episode. Uh, and Gunther just in that episode comes across, he reminds me of like the everyday man at work who's like not really, like he's going up, he's going to work every day, but he's kind of annoyed at his boss because his boss is like on his back all the time. Like, oh, how are we going? Yeah. You know, are we spending money, making money, this, that, and the other. And he's like, oh, bloody hell, mate. Yeah, like I'm doing my best. Just, just go trust me. I think I'm censoring that rather heavily, but yeah. Sort of his, uh, it's, there's been one in each season so far, but we're after a race where he picks up the phone and calls Gene Haas. Um, I don't think he, I think Gene's calling him. I don't think he actively calls Gene Haas. (laughs) Yeah. But regard that, that phone call is probably like, that's one of the, I, each season, but in general, that's, I think for me, that's one, because it's so real. That's where other things in the show are sort of, adapted or stretched or whatnot yeah yeah i think you know the sort of reality of sort of the pressure and that sort of like you don't really envy these team principles somewhat um the situation they put in no win um so yeah you're right i mean yeah gunther and it was so hilarious to me um the fact that he's italian when he's just the most un-italian sounding person ever Yes, well, he they show he's from what, the top of Italy, sort of like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's like the Austrian yeah. border. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a very German part of Italy, but yeah. Um, so I think yeah, I don't want to talk too much about the documentary series because I mean it, it's yeah, like you said, it's really just a big ad for Formula One and especially the American market. I think. Well, yeah, given the I say new ownership, but you know what I mean, like since um, Bernie moved on, but yeah, given the new ownership and the direction, I guess that sort of the American direction that they want to take the sport. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it, it sort of makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, I think America is such a huge market, but it's such an untapped market for Formula One. And yeah, and I think it's it's going to take a lot for for F1. The sort of the viewership is there. Um, and yeah, or, already it's just, like I said, that untapped sort of, you know, you're talking tens of millions of people that already yeah. watch American motorsport. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, even like a lot of Formula One drivers, the next step when they inevitably get spat out of Formula One is IndyCar. Yeah, that's that's becoming more and more common, I guess. Probably a resurgence of a lot of sort of uh, in the past F1 drivers have uh, saying in the past. I'm talking in 60s and 70s. Um, yeah, when you yeah, like, you yeah, tell me about those times. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you could race in both, when you could yeah. race in the Indy 500 and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's sort of coming yeah. back into fashion, I guess. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there some? Didn't was it while Alonso was at McLaren? Didn't he skip a weekend to race in the 500? Yeah, he skipped to Monaco to 
yeah, take part in IndyCar. Very... And that was the first sort of Indy 500 that we were talking about uh, just then getting Americans to watch F1, getting the rest of the world to watch IndyCar. That was what yeah. made me watch um, Indianapolis uh, for the first time. Um, and then if that they year... they used to live there. Even, even though they... That year. And the, a Butler graduate has... Um, he races regularly in IndyCar. Ed Carpenter. Oh. Um, Good on him. Go dogs. I, I, I want to say he's won, but I don't want to commit yeah, to that. Yeah, don't, don't commit to that. I don't want to commit the, to that. From the tens of listeners, or uh, tens, that's probably optimistic, the, the singles of listeners that would be straight on your case. If I that need a, a fact check <laughs> on that one. Um, but yeah, that uh, that yeah. pulled a lot of the F1 viewers to watch, because uh, the Indy 500 uh, usually lands on the same weekend as Monaco. So you've got two of the three Grand Slam of racing events on the same, literally the same day. Um, what's, what's the third? Um, Le Mans? Le Mans. Yeah, so that's that's what Alonso's trying to go for. Is he's, he's won Monaco, he won Le Mans last year, um, yeah, and hopefully he gets another shot at, at Indy. Um, but yeah, now he's back in F1, so nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's a nice segue. Uh, Alonso coming back into F1. Um, yeah, I don't, like I said, don't want to spend too much time on Drive to Survive or, I guess, other motorsports that I don't watch. But yeah, this is meant to be a season preview of the upcoming season, so I think we'll just get into that. I, Like I said, I haven't been watching the sport for too long, so I can't comment on the trends, but it seems, at least to me, that there's been a lot of like more movement than usual between the teams between last season and this season. So if you just look at, I guess, focusing more on the, the top end and, and like you know, competitive midfield teams, you've got a new McLaren pairing, a new Ferrari pairing, a new Red Bull new Aston Martin slash Racing Point last year, a new Alpine slash Renault last year. So that's already five teams that you'd think will be fighting for spots two through six. Obviously, Mercedes are Mercedes. They're pretty entrenched. Would yeah. you say that's pretty uh, a, a much higher rate of turnover than or change than usual? Oh, yeah, it certainly is. And I think the reason for that is that uh, pre-COVID and sort of uh, if you look back sort of 2018, 2019, looking at 2020, 2021, 2022, that's when the new regulations was, you know, the new regulations were supposed to be rolling out sort of now, yeah. this season, next season. So drivers are obviously, they were looking to, you know, set themselves up for who, what team is looking, is trending up with the new regulations, which teams are trending down and trying to position themselves in an ideal drive yeah. uh, moving forward. So I think that's probably why you've seen, that sort of turnover is because everybody's contracts were coming up around the time that the regulations were supposed to change, which have obviously now it's sort of been, uh, it's going to be more of a steady and relaxed change over the next couple of years. Yeah. It's funny. I just quickly checked. It's funny that the, the only three teams with the same driver lineup as last year are Mercedes who won it. And then the two worst teams or two of the bottom three, sorry, in uh, Alpha and Williams. Yeah. And probably somewhat surprising to be honest. I think you could. Well, probably... least, well, I mean, we, yeah, Alpha. I think we, just, everyone, just expected change. At least, if not Kimi retiring, then them moving on from Giovinazzi. But and also Williams. I guess they just desperately need Latifi's money. Well, that that's the thing, right? Um, I think you could easily make uh, an argument that three out of four of those guys had been moved on, right? So, like, if Williams had found 
uh, driver that could have brought in more money than Latifi. That could have been, you know, a change right there. And then obviously at Alpha, Kimmy, what did he say? He's he's doing this as a hobby at the moment, so he's <laughs> happy to continue. But you know, how quickly does that change? Um, yeah, I think obviously Alpha are happy to have the driver with the experience of that who can provide sort of the feedback for development. Um, and then yeah, Giovinazzi who hasn't had sort of not always been terribly impressive, but in the same respect, um, I think they've it, it's it probably benefits Alfa Romeo to have an Italian driver, especially a young a young driver, yeah. and obviously he's part of the Ferrari Academy. Maybe yep. a bit maybe a bit tougher to 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 drop him than sort of yeah you would expect from the outside. Well, they uh, in Drive to Survive, Will Buxton, the F1 journo, described Giovinazzi as wicked quick, but what wacky, like wild and wacky. Just a bit of a yeah, you know, yeah. So it's it's interesting to me. I like you brought like again. I don't really want to keep bringing up Drive to Survive. No, it's better. It's better that people just watch that. But it is. Uh, I it's a sort of thing that I find funny about F1 and, and sort of F1 commentary is that. Uh, you know, these are twenty of the most talented drivers on the on the, on the planet. That they're all quick, like um, for like I yeah. understand there's very. I, I always thought I always thought it was funny language, like saying a guy's quick when he's driving a two hundred and fifty kilometer an hour car against well, everyone else who's also driving. Like, how do you determine who's quick and who's not? They're all yeah. Oh, exactly. But like to say someone like Giovinazzi is wicked quick, but then you're looking at the grid, and if you were to like rank them in talent, he's probably in the the lower, sorry, the bottom like quarter the bottom 25 percent of guys probably if you yeah. you know you're racing on that it's just yeah because it's the pinnacle of motorsport and there's such sort of fine margins between everything and it's not just uh driver talent and whatnot i just find that sort of a funny um and also yeah and also these guys look like scrubs against the other formula one guys but you put them in literally any other four-wheel sport in the world and they'd probably be a legend oh well yeah yeah it, it's no it's no secret that you need to be sort of class of the fit and then incredibly lucky financially um, to actually make it to F1. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but like I did bring up a bit earlier, yeah, the new team combinations. I wanted to quickly run through, I guess, how we think those are going to go, starting with, I think, the, the biggest one, at least from a competitiveness standpoint, which is Red Bull... I don't want to say finally, because it's a bit harsh, but uh, moving on, shall we say, from Alex Albon and bringing in Sergio Perez to partner the golden child Verstappen. Do you think, because I think, I guess the perception of Red Bull has always been it's Team Max and friends. I yeah. guess whoever's, whoever's the number two is. Like, a lot of teams don't admit the number two, but I think Red Bull's very open that Max is number one. And well, at, at he least... Gets, he gets at, the A strategy, blah, blah, blah. At least since Ricardo decided that uh, to him that was becoming a trend and he didn't want to be a part of that any longer. I don't think, I think it was trending towards Max towards the end of uh, Ricardo also being there. But then that, mm. that you know, once they brought in Gasly that year after, it fully became Team Max. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and Christian Horner has made no secret that it's, when no. when they speak about you know it's oh, who who are we going to bring into partner Max you know that that and look it's fair enough because Max is that good and Max is delivering results that you're, you're always going to be compared to your teammate in Formula exactly. One yeah. and I guess from a a true equity standpoint uh, Perez is easily the best teammate he's had since Ricardo so uh, 
but yeah, he's had Gasly and Albon in between the two. Yep. Realistically, Verstappen's still going to win the battle between the two of them, you'd think? I mean, that that would be the expectation. I think the the thinking behind Perez is obviously a, a break in what they've done previously. Previously, they're about, you know, we've got to bring our juniors up and continue the program going. Now yep. they've realised that wasn't necessarily helping them in the fight against Mercedes in the fact that Gasly then Albon just couldn't seem to consistently put the car in somewhere between fourth to sixth, which is where you expect that second Red Bull car to be. Now you bring in Checo, who can do that, uh, you would expect, um, ultra-consistent midfield driver for the last how many years? Yeah. Um, I think this sort of signals a bit of the change in the thinking that Max can be the title contender, but Sergio is going to help us in the constructors yeah. by just banking the easy points that this car should be able to get week in, week well, out. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I think you, you've described to me Bottas as being the ha- like the guy who's good enough to um, win the odd race now and again, but yeah. not so good as to challenge the ego of Lewis Hamilton and, you know, re- like threaten his title. Let's let's say, do yeah, you and think that's, that's effectively the strategy that Red Bull's following. Yeah, I think so. Yes, and that's not even what I, you know, what you've described there with Bottas. That's not even a knock on Bottas. It's you're saying no, like, it's not at all. It's, Lewis it's, Hamilton is just you know one of the greatest drivers ever, if not. I mean, it, yeah, in fairness, probably not the best example because literally anyone you could put in there would be the happy to be here guy. Exactly. Um, so and yeah, not, it's. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's what they're doing with Perez, well-respected driver. Obviously, there's going to be... But that's... Uh, yeah, the point I was trying to make is, like, they're obviously... And it's never going to happen, but they... Like, anyway, but they wouldn't somehow, if he was to become available, they wouldn't sign Verstappen to be Hamilton's teammate. You wouldn't think so, no. No. And and, and I could see... Had, example. Like, anyone else in the field? Yeah. yeah. Had, had the sport shifted to... Uh, it was Mercedes... Gap rest, and obviously that's what it is basically at the moment. But you know what I mean. The fact that Mercedes is literally the only car capable of winning. Maybe they would have tried something different. But yeah, the fact that it's remained somewhat competitive, it, it's just so unlikely. Yeah. Uh, another team that's got a new lineup and one I think everyone is interested to see how it goes this year is Ferrari. Um, it, I, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but I'm going to use it just for the point of what the argument I'm going to make. There were suggestions in the documentary series. I'll just refer to it as that from now on. The, the Last Dance? Yep, that's the one. Last Chance. Ah, you. ah the, the AFL documentary. <laughs> no, no, the, the Gold Coast Titans one. Um, <laughs> no, there were suggestions in that from some of the other principals that Ferrari got away with some underhand stuff in 2019 and they were penalised, which was the reason for their struggles last year. Yep. They bring in Carlos Sainz, who's probably one of the best midfield drivers in the paddock right now. Again, probably like that Perez level. Could have had a race win last year, but didn't. Yeah, he could have. He was right in it for the, the Gasly, Gasly yeah. win. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, even his engineer was like saying, don't throw away the second place going for the win. And he's like, shut up, man. I want this win. I think another lap and he, he probably would have won that race. Yeah. Uh, do you see Ferrari bouncing back? Well, they have to bounce back, but yes, it's it's very very easy to bounce back from seventh uh, when you have the payroll of Ferrari. Yes, uh, they're obviously not. Yeah, they're not going to be scrapping with the likes of AlphaTauri and 
whoever else's damage is. You wouldn't um, expect, although, um, sort of the, I don't know whether it's hipster pick, but very big praise on Alpha Tauri coming out of testing. Yeah, right. But yeah, but with Ferrari, they, look, they're not, probably not going to be seventh again. Let's just, you know, throw that hot take out there. The the midfield will be sign. awfully close, but I would no, not not seventh. No, does Carlos Sainz bring this team back up into like that third, fourth echelon? I think they're certainly going to be scrapping more in the midfield. I I think it's probably fair to say that Seb was fairly checked out last year, um, and it's you know it wasn't wasn't easy. The fact that Ferrari basically said they don't want him, yeah, um, slashed the car's performance compared to well, the, the car year before. Was a kit can, yeah. Just no power in the engine. That seems uh, apparently that's sort of been well, fixed. That's, yeah, that was yeah. the um, that was the rumors yeah. that their engine was illegal in 2019 for whatever reason. I don't know. Something to do with fuel flow, I think. Yeah, that yeah, that's right. Um, look at me. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't say necessarily it's just going to be science bringing that, but we've seen Charles Leclerc can get an awful lot out of nothing. Um, so if you give him sort of that midfield car. He's probably going to be scrapping it to the front. I think science can do that too. This is an awfully good driver lineup. For a, yeah. Again, it's, it's weird good, to say, but midfield yeah. team. Um, <laughs> it's a very good young driver lineup as well, I think is the key. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Checked out and probably was getting a bit stale. Leclerc's in his, what, second year at Ferrari? Yeah. Third year, sorry. Third year, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, science is kind of bounced around the paddock a little bit for someone who's as good as he is. Just for someone of... being so impressive, you're right, yeah. Yeah, he keeps getting just replaced by the next big thing. Uh, in fairness to his move to... He moved to Ferrari, I think, before he was replaced at McLaren. Yeah, but... there was sort of a role reversal there with the Ricardo swaps. But yeah, but, yeah. but uh, taking the open seat at Renault uh, and then, I guess, getting booted from that for <laughs> for Daniel Ricardo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then, yeah, finding a seat at McLaren, and now he's actually got his chance. Um, and this is a question I'll get to later on, so I'll leave it there. Oh, there's a segue I wanted to get into, but I wanted to talk about one more team in some form of depth, and that's obviously McLaren with our boy Danny Rick. Yep. Third place? I, I think so. I think they had an awfully good testing. Uh, the trajectory of the last couple of years has been really good. Now they're adding the Mercedes engine to their package. Um, I think there's probably podiums there to be won this year. Um, but without the promise of tattoos for um, Zach Brown and... <laughs> well, well Paul, Cyril's now, Paul Cyril's now out of the paddock all completely. So um, yeah. now we get to see what happened there. Um, Did we ever see those? Has he even got them yet? I can't... I don't, I, I don't think so. I'm waiting for the, the Post Malone... Um, Photoshops and Cyril with barbed wire along his forehead and teardrops, etc. All you know. Well, all I've, the... I've seen like the Mike Tyson one on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just quickly, a couple other teams with new lineups, but not in too much. Oh, sorry. Before, actually, now we'll move on because I'll again another segue that I'll get into a bit later. Uh, Aston Martin and Alpine both rebranded. Aston Martin, obviously, the former Racing Point. Uh, Lawrence Stroll agreeing to buy out Aston Martin. Um, you know, taking on their debts, bring in Sebastian Vettel, while Alpine is the former Renault, bring back the champion of the sport, Fernando Alonso, to partner Ocon. 
I'd I'd imagine those teams would be kind of scrapping with Ferrari in that midfield as well. I guess it all depends on have everyone else in the midfield caught up to what Racing Point, Aston Martin were doing last year. Yeah, although the sort of intel, I guess you could call it, says that Aston had a pretty bad test. I think Vettel didn't even get time on on softs at the entire test. Um, But yeah, you would would expect... Yeah, but you would expect, which is already cut down from six usually. Usually, usually you would get three per three days per driver. Um, so obviously, yeah, in the sort of COVID climate, all cut down, um, and F1 in general looking to save money. Um, but yeah, I would I would expect Alpine, obviously Alonso, um, one of the greatest drivers ever, and also one of the best drivers to get absolutely everything and a bit more out of the machinery. Um, the, the midfield battles this year are going to be maybe the best we've seen because it's so compact between four or five teams, all that have lead, you know, multiple time race winners, world championships, you know, Vettel four world championships, Alonso two, Ricardo's one, what, eight or nine races. I was uh, going to say, there's no championships there, mate. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Leclerc. Landon Norris, Science, all these well, young like, guns. Almost half the field has now won a race. Yeah, well, we got the two brand new winners last year, which is yeah, it's very close... rare to get new winners yeah. in this sort of Mercedes-dominated era. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, 10 people in the paddock have won a race. Sorry, I just did the count. Half the Probably field. Should... Yeah, half that... yes, that is half the field. Uh just uh, one last thing on Alonso before we move on. Obviously, he left the sport after a pretty dour year with McLaren. Do you think him coming back with Renault, or sorry, with Alpine, is actually going to, like, he'll surely have a bit more success, but do you think there is much of a difference between the McLaren he left and the Alpine he steps into, even with as good as he is? Well, yeah, when he left with McLaren, obviously they weren't anywhere near where they are now, but it's saying that they were sort of somewhat on the improve. Uh, but I think, yeah, it, the Alpine is probably ahead of, it's at least the guaranteed scrap somewhere between 6th to 10th. You know, that's where I'd, I'd expect him to be most weekends, maybe 4th or 5th if something happens at the front. Um, but yeah, I think I'm really excited for this midfield battle given all of the, the I don't want to say talent because it's obviously, it's, it's obvious, Alonso Vettel, Ricardo, whatnot. But yeah, I, I would, yeah. Um, Given I get, hopefully Renault have made progress. It would it would be disheartening to see them sort of take another step back. Um, mm. Sort of similar to maybe the disappointment they had the first year Ricardo arrived, um, because they're given sort of finances and whatnot. It it's sort of baffling where, where Renault ended up at, at one point. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and obviously they had that renaissance last year. A couple of three, three podiums, wasn't it? Two for three Ricardo and yeah, one for Ocon. Uh, but cycling over to, I guess, I just want to quickly touch on the new aspects of Formula One this season. So in both the drivers and the tracks, just quickly on. So there's three new rookies: Nikita Mazepin, Sonoda, uh, and Mick Schumacher. Realistically, out of those three, who do you think is going to score the most this season? Is it Sonoda because he's probably got a better car, or is it Schumacher? Or, or Massapin, let's, let's humor on. 
I mean, I'd be stunned if it does if it isn't Sonoda. I think something would have to be have to go drastically wrong. Yeah. Um, so you're so you're saying Haas haven't improved at the relative rate to to score points regularly? Is that are you throwing shade at our man Gunter? Well, I think even he built the car himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think even Gunter's throwing shade at Gunter. Um, <laughs> I think that it's pretty clear out of Haas that they're not really going to develop this year's car. They're going to save sort of um, stuff for next year. Um, just sort of get miles into their rookies. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's at least from sort of what's been said around Haas is that they're probably not going to be very competitive at all. Um, they might be genuinely the back of the grid most weeks behind Williams. Um, so yeah, I'd be pretty stunned if Sonoda, who also had a very impressive testing um, in an impressive car as well, that will be in that the midst of that midfield battle. I'd, I'd be sort of shocked if he is outscored by either Mick or Mazepin. Okay, so ignoring Sonoda then, out of those two, do you think it's Mick that scores more? Yeah, I think so. Well, we'd, I mean, just based on the track record as it is, you know, Mick won F2, Mazepin finished uh, fifth. Um, you know, if it, <laughs> I think if it was up to me or up to most people, I don't think Mazepin would probably have the seat um, but you know, money yeah. money talks in F1. Cash is king. Cash is king. Um, Again, sorry yeah. to reference the documentary, but <laughs> well, I mean, it, it helps to have a. I think I've always wanted to use this term, but a Russian oligarch. <laughs> oh, do you feel good now? You finally. Got... I, feel, I feel great. Um, yeah, his dad owns a what is it? A chemicals company in Russia. So basically, he, he's sure. bankrolling Haas at yeah. the moment. Um, and or Haas, the the German, yeah. The German oh yeah, obviously all the sponsorships yeah. that are they're going to come with the, the son of one yeah. of the greatest drivers ever. Yeah, um, Haas. Well, I think mean, wasn't the caveat for that German company sponsoring Haas the, that they get a German driver, which was pretty much wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sign Mick. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't know how real that sort of scenario setting was, but yeah, I mean, they're not wrong about. You know, German companies want German drivers so then they can sell stuff. Like, yeah. Um, or maybe they were talking about Hockenberg. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I laugh, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's a damn crying shame he's not they're, still they're in F1. Bring back, they're trying to bring back Nico. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nico Rosberg? Or... So he got his win and he was out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally forgot Hockenberg. Yeah. Rosberg, yeah. sorry. Yeah, Rosberg, yeah. No, I think my main man, the, the classic, you know, Danny Kvyat. I know he's not German, but he... Anyone who knows me, but, well, this won't be many people, but, oh, man, I'm just such a big Kvyat fan. Such a big Kvyat fan. I don't even know why. I just like the guy. He just... I don't know. He just looks... He looks nice. I don't know. I just like him. <laughs> he said, to me, he's always... Uh, he makes a... Again, the documentary. Um... I think at the end of like season two, he says something about how Netflix didn't want to talk to him or like they had no time for me. Um, <laughs> he he, always, he seems to me like a bit uh, sort of a, a bit more emotive or emotional version of like Kimmy. Uh, <laughs> like, he doesn't usually have like a lot to say, but like he, he can have like a joke and something. Like, yeah. And also um, I, like, I like his sneaky little trait of the, the heavy breathing as he starts talking, which I can relate to. Oh, there, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> 
yeah, so the rookies, is, I think it's pretty, there's not much, like, yeah, it would really surprise me if either of the Haas guys were remotely competitive. It's going to be it's going to be pretty tough for them. The, the team might legitimately get zero points all season. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's out of the question. Like, there's usually <laughs> like there's usually one or two teams that get like between zero and you know two or three. Like they'll scrap a tenth every now and again. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe with is, yeah the fact that there's 23 races this season, maybe they'll be able to you know bag a tenth or a. a well, ninth. there's always one race, isn't there? That's just absolute carnage and inevitably like eight or nine guys. Like what? Well, it was the first race, wasn't it? Last season that. Ten, uh, sorry, nine guys retired, and uh, George Russell came eleventh. Uh, I think Latifi came eleventh, but yeah. Okay, sorry, yeah, Russell retired. But I think we were joking that if Latifi falls ass backwards into points in his debut when Russell went a whole season, who's yeah, clearly exactly. a much better driver, I think we would be furious. Yeah. <laughs> but at least, uh, at least for Williams, they'll, they'll have someone behind them this year. So. Uh, but the other new aspect of Formula 1 this season is the tracks. Now, I can't comment on Saudi Arabia because I haven't seen it. But Netherlands and Saudi Arabia, I think, are the only two new tracks. Have I missed one there? They're the only two new. Uh, they've confirmed from, like, like, given that we had some, uh, I, uh, I say makeshift, but, you know, uh, rounds that weren't supposed to happen pre-COVID. All the rounds that Renault did well at, yep. Yeah, I think the three podiums came at races that weren't originally in the calendar. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, any quick thoughts on those? Uh, on those I, I, I really like Zandvoort. I think that's a really fun track. Yeah, um, so my experiences with Zandvoort have been purely on the video game. Yeah. Um, it just, it seems like a very undulated track. Oh, it's all, it's really quick, um, old, old school sort of racing. Um. But yeah, I'm pretty excited to see. I mean, it was a shame there wasn't a race there last year. They couldn't sort of um, get get that together. Yeah. Um, hopefully, there's a, there's a crowd there. I mean, given sort of the situation, obviously. In Europe, um, yeah. But yeah, hopefully there's a crowd there because, geez, the Dutch get behind Max. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, obviously they deserve. He deserves a home race. Um, Yes, the, well, he does. He's born in Belgium. He's born in Belgium, so he does have one. And obviously, the the Dutch travel amazingly. Yeah, to the um, Red Bull Ring. Yep. Yeah, oh, well, to the Red Bull Ring, to Spa. Um, were they in Turkey, Hungary? They're everywhere. I mean, it's 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 hard to miss them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Zandvoort. Um, is is Zandvoort? Sorry, just before we move on to Saudi, is Zandvoort a track where you can expect chaos? I mean, it's the problem in F1 is you can expect chaos anywhere. It's just yeah, it's but gonna you know how like there's five percent of the time. Are, but, yeah, but you know how there's tracks that are traditionally boring, like Hungary, for example, like where there's usually yeah. not much excitement, or even I don't know somewhere like. Come on, help me out here. <laughs> That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Hungary, like being classically boring, but then like. Well, H- Hungary and Monaco. Yeah, sorry, Monaco. Well, yeah, Monaco's, Monaco, Monaco's yeah, a procession, but the, the, yeah. but the thing that it's it, it is Formula One. Yeah, I mean, Monaco, you can literally win, like Danny did with a busted engine for like yeah. 30 laps or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, like we saw the the, uh, the restart at, I forget the track, but where Bo- everyone thought Bottas like went and then didn't and then went again. And oh, the whole yeah. Thing just <laughs> blew up. <laughs> was, was, that a, <laughs> was that Was that Mugello? I think that, yeah, it might have been Mugello or was it Portimao? 
I can't remember. It's one of the, I think it was one of the one of the fake tracks. Yeah, <laughs> one of the fake tracks. Um, uh, but yeah, I I would expect that that you can you can have decent racing at Zandvoort. I would expect. I mean, I haven't personally watched a race there. I, again, a lot of my experiences are on the game. I find yeah. that one of the more enjoyable tracks to drive on, at least from a yeah. You know, it reminded me a bit of Spa, just based on the rise and fall of it all, and the yeah yeah. Just I the, like the the, the banking speed throughout the whole lap. The banking sort of turn at the end is very old school. Yeah, the sweep into the... Is it yeah. a right into the straight? Or, yes, yeah. 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 Uh, and then, yeah, have you... I haven't seen Saudi Arabia at all. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen an onboard of Saudi Arabia that the uh, official F1 channel put up. It was sort of like a sort of like a mock-up. I don't know whether it was like a uh, an early shot of the game this year. Yeah. Yes, Saudi Arabia... It's a very high-speed street circuit that I have absolutely no idea where any overtakes are going to happen. Um, it's yeah, I, there's like maybe one corner where you can. I think there might be chaos at this one with drivers <laughs> getting so desperate to make a move. But yeah, yeah it's um, Saudi Arabia screams F1's looking for cash to me, um, given <laughs> sort of other sports reluctance. Um, Saudi Arabia in general, they've been on sort of like a last couple of years. Um, this is speaking very generally, but I think they're looking to open up to the West. Um, yeah. Okay. So it makes sense that why there's a F1 race going there. And also just so they're going to throw an abundance of cash when F1 needs it at it. But yeah, the track is, it, it looks like a Formula E track. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but they're just sort of tight street circuits. Well, I'm looking at a um, an overhead, like on the F1 website of just the, the outline of the track yeah it looks very very long and thin yeah it's just a, a lot of a little bit like silverstone like in the middle of the lap where it's just a lot of quick chica- uh, chicanes just it's like, just too know. too fast and too straight for there to be anything like i, I they'll yeah. probably end up being drs overtakes but like i think uh, a lot of the f1 yeah crowd like, is sort assuming, of num- yeah, numb looks to like that. yeah it looks like a, a big yeah, zooting, like, quick left-right, 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 like, mostly full speeds, and then a couple of hairpins at either end. To, to uh, me, uh, the track that yeah. was supposed to be last year, which is now non-existent... Uh, um, yeah, I wanted to get to this. <laughs> Vietnam was much more interesting than Saudi Arabia, and even then I didn't find Vietnam particularly interesting. Vietnam looked like a fidget spinner on the overhead view. <laughs> but it, it had enough sort of... Uh, quirkiness to the camber of some yeah, yeah, of the yeah. corners that there might have been some... Like, it would have been interesting to at least see... One race on it. Yeah, because obviously the only experience we'll have with Vietnam now was the video game. Yeah. And, and that, not the video game. I hate fun. that track. I, I liked it. I really liked it because it was something different. Although, because when I raced there, it was in the rain. I actually did all right because, yeah, everyone goes slower. So I think when it was in the dry, I just went, I kept going too fast and mistiming the brakes. And yeah, not a fan. I, I think a big thing about F1 tracks is you need to see one or a couple of races on, on them to really sort of... Um, get a good standing for, for where they're at like and also f1 is sort of more entertaining when there's that unknown and they try something different like for instance the the secure sort of quote-unquote oval last year where sort of consensus leading into that was that it was going to be a procession of, of drs um and then that turned out to be one of the more entertaining races of the season <laughs> certainly um so yeah when they throw something different into f1 um, it's a bit like 
uh, in IndyCar. You know, all, not all of the tracks are ovals. And the fact that it, it throws something, you know, the fact that they have street circuits and ovals throws something different and challenging at the drivers. And you get to sort of have that prospect yeah. of excitement given the unknown. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add about the tracks, just in general? Any comments on any of the other tracks? Any races where you are expecting chaos or processions? Or I mean, yeah, it's pretty hard to... It'll be good to go back to Monaco again. I think it... Um, not not specifically for, for the racing, but the fact that they're going to have a Monaco grow. It doesn't feel like an F1 season without it. You, you, certainly, yeah. could, you certainly couldn't get rid of it because it is such an iconic uh, part of the sport. And in general, like uh, if people don't know anything about F1, one of the if or if people know very little about F1, one of the things they're yeah. going to be familiar with is Monaco. Um, it's one of probably only two tracks I can think of that are safe, regardless of status or money or any of that. The other, the other being Silverstone. Oh, and maybe Monza. Maybe those three. It's based on history. I think you could probably say more than that, but then. It's stunning to me that we don't have a German Grand Prix, that we didn't have a German Grand Prix. What are you um, thinking? Are you thinking Spa? Oh, well, yeah. I, it's hard to see places like Spa lose their race. Oh, I'm not saying... Sorry. I'm not saying I can see them getting replaced for like five years in a rotation. What I'm saying is if there ever came a time where, you know, they had to cut tracks and there was the criteria, I think the only races that would be purely, like not even make the list of shortly like to be cut would be those three like there's a zero reason just based on history i'm not saying yeah like, or spa's like, spa's never gonna lose its race i'm not saying that but yes no. yeah um yeah the the fact that there's no considering the history of germans in the formula and the fact that there's no german grand prix is a bit silly uh, and the fact that they France have, have one for for a while they have multiple great tracks in germany France or germany um, the, the French Grand Prix, it's sort of take it or leave it for me. I'm not a, uh, you know this, I'm not a massive fan of um, Paul, Paul Ricard. Ricard. Yeah. Um, and I, I think mainly Core is probably a better track, and I'm not even a massive fan there. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess Monaco can be. It was their race for a long time anyway. Um, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, in general, the tracks I'm looking forward to. Um, it's it's hard to say. I'm looking forward to excitement. It, it doesn't really matter what track it is. If it, you get the right conditions, then you... Um, so rain. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the great equaliser in F1. Um, specifically for... Qual it makes qualifying so much better. Like, yeah. obviously, races, everybody knows that, but rain during qualifying is... The best Q3s are, are those ones where genuinely anybody that rounds that last corner can take pole. Um, but rain within reason, not like, and maybe this was just a comment on the track itself, but Turkey last year, like, that was too much rain. That was current New South Wales flooding rain. Yeah. That was, yeah. Although well, that so got had his the... first race, so, uh, his first win, so. Yeah. Again, on a track that doesn't exist. Well, actually, is it in the calendar? No. See, a lot of research goes into this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's not, so. Yeah, fake track. <laughs> they were fun, though, and they served up something Oh, they were fun. Of course they were fun, yeah. Especially having that super cold race at... Oh, this is going to test... Um, oh, I can't remember. Was it the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring where it was stone cold? Yeah, there was no grip. And just cars were sliding everywhere. And a really massive 
that's what you watch F1 for. You want to see the best drivers deal in the worst conditions and and drive amazingly. Yeah. Um, it's sort of the pinnacle of everything. But yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I again, I the tracks I enjoy are more speaking from like playing the game perspective <laughs> rather than like watching. Like you're all. It doesn't really matter what track you're on. You can, you can have a decent race. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, my best just track given is the Canada, circumstances. Just 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 quietly. Well, Canada's but a really fun track. But that's on two sticks and a couple of buttons. Not <laughs> while well, sitting in my recliner. It usually serves up a decent race, Canada. There's it's a proper race track where you can overtake in multiple places. Uh, Wall of Champions is is pretty fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I always look forward to Spa. I'll say always after my one season of actually watching every race. <laughs> always look forward to Spa. Uh, yeah, keen to see how. Netherlands looks in a race and not just on a game. And then obviously Australia, just by default. Yeah, see for me I it's one oh, of my Yeah, uh, maybe not as least, a race. Least favourite tracks to be honest. I'm not a fan of the track either, but there's a chance um, I might actually go this year, so Oh well, there you go. Like it's given that it's it's been the first round for ages, yeah. I know the track like the back of my hand. Um, given that, you know, if, even if you started career mode on something and then abort, you've always raced Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I've never been, compared to other tracks, certainly, um, like is it Canada, um, Spa, what, what are some of the other tracks I like? Um, no, Zandvoort, um, Austria, I'm a big fan of Austria, um, just because it, it provides something different compared to other tracks. Um, sort of the, the one minute lap, uh, plenty yep. of overtaking spots. Um, but Not yeah. for Albon. Uh, I mean, he's struggled on any track, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, we could keep talking about tracks all day. Um, but let's... I think we touched... You touched briefly on the regulations. I think there's too much more to go back on those. Instead of being, I guess, a hard change between this year and next year... Or even last year and this year, it's it's a bit more gradual. So the the midfield probably won't get that much closer to the top this year, you'd say, based on that. Um, well, I I sort of the hot take coming out of testing is that Red Bull are the quote unquote favourites, given that Mercedes didn't have a great time and Red Bull really knocked it out of the park. Max had the top time. Um, but yeah, I. Yeah, I'm not going to doubt Mercedes after they've won six years in a row. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'd still, you know, ask me to put money on a team. I'm going to say Mercedes and... Seven Hamilton. years, isn't it? Sorry? Seven years in a row, isn't it? Oh, well, 14 to 20. 14 to 20? Well, there you go. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you mean. Like, it's... And even, yes, but I get what you mean, but also it's looked like Red Bull being the favourites coming out of testing, it still doesn't really change the fact that they were always kind of around Mercedes anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, I say around them in the sense that uh, they would be in annoyance for like seven, eight rounds and then like bang, Mercedes are 100 points ahead. <laughs> sort of similar to Ferrari at the peak of their powers, you know, they'd be... Not neck and neck with Mercedes, but they, you know they'd be in the rear view yeah. mirror, and then they just make a silly mistake, and then they'd make another mistake, and then yeah, then they're a hundred points behind. Yeah. Um, but no, like you talked about the regulation, I think there are some technical regulations that are designed to sort of bring 
the racing a little bit closer. I think uh, specifically stuff with the, the floor of the car has been um, cut yeah. and simplified. I think that the tyres this year are going to be a bit more resilient, which, I mean, take it or leave it, whether you think that's actually a better thing for, for viewing. I think some of those races where... So they'll wear less. Well, they'll, they'll wear slower. They'll wear slower, yeah. Um, supposedly, yeah. Uh, around a lap of Bahrain, car, cars were supposed to be a second slower, but the sort of brains trust that every F1 team has sort of worked it out with their aerodynamics package, and basically that's not... <laughs> there won't be much change in in that respect. Um, maybe cutting down practice time. I think all practice sessions are now 60 minutes. So sort of losing th- uh, an hour of running from a weekend that may attempt to bring things a little bit closer, just a little less data out there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, the problem with F1 is it, it's all sort of hypothetical until the first round happens. But then... Which is this weekend. Which is this weekend. But then... We've got three weeks off until another race. So there's going to be another three weeks of speculation given what's happened at one weekend, which could, could, could be completely different. It feels like we're getting the first round, but we're not really in the full swing of the season for another month or so. Yeah. So I also had uh, a couple of, well, I put together a list of just questions that I had for you. Uh, and I also, you, you'll love this. I actually tweeted just on the off chance and I got two replies, not two questions, two replies that are both not serious, but I'm going to read them out anyway. One of them was just Corey or CJ saying Mark Webber was robbed. I mean, he was. That's, um, I assume that's, uh, I forget. 2010. That, that's the, the, the one of the more right? heartbreaking moments of my sports watching that's uh, mode, mode, what mode was it? Multi-21. Well, that's the one, yeah. That was, he, he came into the final race up points on Alonso, and then oh, he, he and Alonso were looking like they weren't going to finish high in the points, and then Vettel came, comes through and steals the title. Yeah. It, seemingly from nowhere, but at that stage I wasn't following it sort of as closely yeah. as I do now, so he was probably always there points-wise, but it just felt like Vettel came out of nowhere, won the title, and then won the next three. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, was other, yeah. yeah. Now, and the other one is from someone we both know, Mark K, who we know follows Formula One, also a Chicago Bulls fan. He just asked, "Will Danny Rick have the title sewed up before or after round 12 <laughs> <laughs> I think um, Schumacher's won it in like round eleven or something before, but that was like a seventeen round season. So yeah. Also, the question was Danny Rick, sir. So no, but I'm saying. Uh, in oh, terms of uh, earliest wins, I think Vettel also had a very dominant one, and Hamilton probably did too. I just can't remember. All of the Hamilton seasons sort of meld together. They're just quietly dominant. <laughs> like, oh, not, not, not that the, they're the quietly dominant. The only reason wrap it up sooner is because the only other person challenging him is his teammate. <laughs> well, not that they're quietly dominant. It's I'm saying like 2014 to 2020 is all melding together. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. Very well, hard yeah. to. It's it's hard to pick out a specific race because oh Hamilton won. Yeah, is one how many? Yeah. <laughs> Even the year Rosberg won was like, ah, oh, but Hamilton really won. Well, that was, yeah. I think people probably didn't appreciate that at the time, that sort of title fight. Um, um, looking yeah, back, that but, was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've got my own questions to ask, um, or just discussion points, just as we wrap up here. Um, we, we've answered that one. 
events in the midfield battle. Actually, yeah, who do you think is going to come out on top in the midfield battle, which I'm going to term as everyone except Red Bull and Mercedes? Yeah. I mean, it has. To, I think favourite would be Ricardo. Um, I would also... Team, but yeah, driver works, so McLaren, but yeah. Yeah, well, well yeah, I'd, I'd say McLaren. I think they're a bit ahead of the others. Um, it'll still be tight, I think. If I had to give like a, a pecking order... Um, I haven't really thought about it, but it'd probably probably be. I mean, again, based on um, more three days. Oh, and and even then, it wasn't. I was, I was pretty annoyed that it wasn't aired here, um, given that it has been previously. But yeah, testing wasn't on, so to speak, um, despite the fact that it was covered by Sky in the UK. Um, but yeah, looking at the teams, if I had to give like a Pecking order of the the midfield, I'd I'd just I'd say probably yeah McLaren at the top. Um, I I guess Aston Martin behind them, then maybe Ferrari Renault. But then yeah, I have no idea where I guess AlphaTauri after that. I've no sort of bearing on it, just how good they may be. Um, but the main yeah. part is yeah McLaren. You think and Ricardo over Norris? I think so. It's I mean that's just it, that's prior prior form isn't it that's respecting what he's done previously Um, and also it'll it'll be fun to have Ricardo in a car um, back towards the top again not saying that he wasn't competitive with Renault relatively speaking to the midfield but the fact that this McLaren seems very much more punchy um, and he'll sort of go back to that sort of last of the late breakers type (laughs) style of driving sending it uh, FSU and all that (laughs) yeah um I guess segueing on from that, uh, which team do you think is the most even? Is it McLaren? I guess from driver to driver. I mean, I, I guess. Uh, or, or, or is it for Ferrari? To, like, obviously, I think Charles Leclerc is probably going to win a world title eventually if Ferrari get their act together. Um, I mean, realistically, it's probably Haas because they've got two rookies. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. But that's not really what the question meant. Um, it was more. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. I guess it's. Diff- I guess there's probably a defined one and two in each team this year, which is pretty rare, to be honest. So, yeah. So Ricardo to you is the defined one, just based on history. I, f- fair enough. Yeah. Maybe he's not the defined one, given sort of. Lando's been there. Lando's been there for three yeah. years, very entrenched. Um. You know, he's seen the development of the car. That's you know that's his feedback on on track. Um. Yeah. But yeah, like I guess it, yeah, it'd be McLaren or Ferrari. Um, I, I would say Ricardo's better than Norris, and I would say yeah. that Leclerc's better than Science. But I mean, it's hard to quantify the gaps margin, between them. Really? Yeah. Um, and that and that metric that I'm basing it off is really arbitrary. It's obviously like you know, qualifying and then you know points. So yeah, I, mean, I, I would expect. I think Ricardo was the most dominant last year compared to a teammate qualifying wise uh, outside of George Russell. Probably outside of George Which Russell. Doesn't it's, really count. Yeah, it doesn't really count. Um, although ironically, it probably counts more than anything. Um, well, yeah. In such a yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I guess it. I, I would assume it'd be close. You know, they're both really good drivers. Um, I, I think this, the Ferrari battle could also be close. But yep. then in that respect, 
maybe it takes science a, a, a little longer to, to get acquainted with the Ferrari setup. Um, get acquainted with being in being in being a worse outside, car, being outside the top ten again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I think you look at like Aston Martin and Alpine, and it, it's just so maybe not defined within the team, but defined sort of from a. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that Vettel's walking into Aston Martin and then going, yeah, so Lance is our clear number one, and he's going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, mate, yeah, sure. Um, is there any space I can keep my trophies while? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like as as that's a, that's a, that's a tough as stroll is. That's a, it's a tough situation. You sort of Vettel is the the one, but the number two sort of owns the team. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's an odd relationship, and especially with how Vettel sort of plays with others. Um, that that's yeah. going to be interesting to sort of watch unfold. Yeah. Um, Alonso and Ocon is sort of. There's sort of an odd dynamic there as well, given obviously Alonso, absolute legend of the sport, familiar. Yeah, with... I don't think it's that serious though. I think everyone like <laughs> Ocon's like, oh yeah, Tanya, but as soon as Alonso walks in, like yeah, mate, chop liver. Yeah, <laughs> but like saying that, uh, what is sort of Alonso's yeah, not his intentions, but like what is sort of the end game here? Like he's 39 years old. He's old, like, yeah. Is he going to, like, it's hard to envisage him in a couple of years if Alpine happened to make this leap forward and maybe they're ahead of, you know, just say they were the, suddenly the top team. Like, are they going to have Alonso fighting for the world title? Are they going to, it's, Ocon seems more like the long play there and Alonso's, I don't want to say he's like a placeholder, but that's sort of what it feels like maybe. Like, if he just comes back to F1 for a couple of years, helps them develop, and then maybe they bring in, I don't know, spitballing, but like, Gasly or something, just because he's... Yeah, friendly. I was going to say, spitball, um, that's been your theory for like two years now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it makes so much but, sense. But it was with Ocon, before Ricardo left, it was Ocon was keeping the seat warm for Gasly. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's It's an odd dynamic to me, like, yeah, it's... Yeah, no, I, I, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that, They're yeah. not going to kick Alonso out of the seat performance, because it's, <laughs> well, it's no. just unfathomable. The same with Raikkonen. But will they do like a similar thing to what Ferrari did with uh, Vettel, saying like, Thank you for, and then sort of like try to retire him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. It it was it took me by surprise when it did happen because he sort of with it it seemed like he was done with F1 and he was off trying to chase this sort of triple crown. Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm not I don't hate it. Love watching Alonso, but yeah. It, no, you sound like a hater right now. Well, I mean, I, I expect him to be at the front of this battle. It's going to be annoying <laughs> as a Ricardo fan to have Alonso behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a couple other questions. I guess we've kind of touched on this, but yeah, the race most likely to be unfiltered chaos, but you said it depends really on... It's a what... hard question to answer. Yeah. Before, um... Yeah, wherever it rains. Yeah. If it rains at Spa. With it, raining at Spa is interesting because it often rains up in the mountains and then it's dried down at the, the pits and the... Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, that's it's always... It's it. the they same, had that at like, Germany once a year. What, wasn't that at Hungary last year where it was raining like at, at one corner? Yeah, mate. I've, drivers always complain about that. Yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah. Um, a lot of lying on the radio. <laughs> I spent Hamilton like complaining all the race and then wins. <laughs> Yeah, oh, these tyres are gone after three laps, and he does 45 on them. 
Um, yeah, the driver most likely to lose their seat. This uh, is not necessarily mid-season, but yeah, this is difficult. I it's think not a nice question. I'll be honest, but I'll, it's one that I wanted to ask. No, well, it, you say it's not a nice question, but it's like the number one but, thing talked yeah. about with F1 every season, in and out. Regardless. Okay, okay. Before I'll give you time to marinate on on it, um, and I'll just say last year, if I had asked you this question, would you have said um, Albon, or would it have been like Kvyat? Um, Two drivers who are obviously not there this year. Like at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so like before, a, I want to say before a ball was being kicked, but you know they don't kick yeah. balls in Formula One. Um, uh, before before a, you know before a DRS has been pressed. Before a good day, before, before a deer. You know, yeah, before guess, being able to joke by their own principle. Like what? Yeah, I guess Albon was probably the natural, uh, like pick there. That being said, I think they Red Bull didn't want to be embarrassed in making the same mistake that they had made with Gasly, like just. Yeah, there's a lot of... Up, um, up, like, bringing the kid in early and then throwing him out. So I think that's probably what made them s- at least keep him for the whole season. Um, but, yeah, I guess Albon probably would have been... I, the thing with Kvyat is that I didn't... It was hard to see why he was at AlphaTauri. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe he gives really... I love the guy. Maybe he gives really good... Uh, technical feedback and was helping them develop the car. We don't know. But like, what is his, like yeah, technically he didn't seem like a huge sponsorship puller. Like he might've been, I think he brings in Russian money, but like, um, R- Russian, what money? So would you say oligarch money? I mean, maybe the only reason I said that is because Mazepin's dad is literally an oligarch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the thing with Kivyat is like, wasn't he, was he a member of the Red Bull program or not? Like, he was driving for Alfatari, but he'd already been dropped. Like, what is the end game here? He's well, he, obviously... had, he was with Toro Rosso. For, I think that's where he started, so I'd assume he was... No, I'm saying, but he'd been dropped, and then he was out of, you know... Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah no, I get what you mean. Like, what, what's the end game here? You're obviously not going like, to bring him up to Red Bull. third stint in Formula 1, wasn't it? Because I think he'd been out of the sport twice. Well, he got demoted, obviously, famously for Verstappen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in fairness, probably the right call. Yeah. But yeah, he'd been out for a year. I think it was 2018 he missed. Um, Came back and podium to Germany. So like he, I think he went, the sort of musical chairs at the end where like Hartley came in and Gasly came in. Yeah. Um, Brendan Hartley, legend of the sport. <laughs> and another one of my boys. I just love the, the, the Toro Rosso crew that aren't, haven't won a race before. So science, one of my boys, Kvyat, <laughs> not Gasly. He's won a race. He's too good for me now. <laughs> he's too good. Oh uh, wait, that means, wait, did Albon? Ah, uh, that means I like Albon. Ah, never mind. <laughs> Damn. I, t- I, t- I take it back. Yeah, Sonoda. Yeah, love him. But yeah, maybe I would have said Kvyat, but then like, how did he maintain his? Like, I thought they would have just brought somebody up in the Red Bull program. So at least have someone there that you you may think about. He seemed like the, the easiest person to replace on the paddock. I agree because. Yeah, it, he didn't really fit the mantra of the team as a development team. And you have to imagine why Red Bull, because obviously they have some input, you'd think, in AlphaTauri. They have all input. <laughs> well, okay, okay. I don't, I, sure, I wasn't, okay. But, yeah. you know, why, like, Red Bull, 
like why the, he hasn't got a realistic path to getting pulled up by the team unless he just goes on an absolute tear. But he's 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 old ish. He well, I say old. He's I think twenty seven now. Yeah, F one terms. 20. He's like given the way the sports change. He's, he's yeah. Old. So and, and yeah, no path to being called back up to the senior team. Not really part of the development mantra. Not really good enough. Is good, but not good enough to like you know demand a seat elsewhere yeah. outside of I, one of those I, other guys. I don't, I don't and, think he could have. Yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, he's obviously better than guys like Latifi, like Mazepin, blah blah blah. But then yeah. it's all about the money, and like teams like Haas and teams like Williams need money, yeah. and they're willing to sacrifice one driver slot to just get some tosser in who brings in billions of or not billions but brings in millions of dollars yeah i think maybe the only other person i I would have said is maybe giovanazzi but again similar to what we talked about earlier probably hard to to drop the italian driver in the italian team um like if you again if you'd asked me at the beginning of last season maybe alpha got uh, they felt like they they needed to put uh mick in the car otherwise they'd lose him um, so maybe that was a, a way that Giovinazzi might have got dropped. Um, yeah. And then Kimmy's not going to lose his seat, but I, I probably would have bet on him retiring at the end of this year because it just yeah. seems like, I mean, jokes aside, obviously he likes driving. Like otherwise, like what is he doing? Um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like the kind of guy to waste his time out of pettiness to waste someone else's time. <laughs> Although maybe he does. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, but we're kind of skirting away from... Oh, sorry, you finish your point. But we have skirted away from the original question, which was this year. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it covered... The, those are the sort of three. Um, but yeah, this year... Okay. Is it Giovinazzi then for this year? Well, again, similar to what I said, I've, are Alpha going to drop an Italian driver? But he's got an year now. Like, I think the longer yeah. it goes on, the less painful it becomes. Because when I you think just realise this guy just isn't that good. I think it's also like... It helps him that that Kimmy is in the other seat. So, like, if Alpha are like, all right, we need to make a change, and then... Oh, they're, they're, Kimmy would, yeah. Like, they're yeah. banking on Kimmy just retiring. They're and banking like, on oh, Kimmy retiring, so then they can bring in someone like... Uh, Callum Eilat is a Ferrari Academy driver. Maybe they want to try and get Mick away from Haas. Um, so, yeah, I think that somewhat helps Giovinazzi, and the fact that I don't... Two rookies is very rare, and it's pretty risky for Haas, and I think we know the reason why they're doing it. Um, Money. Yeah. And to just, yeah, banking on being crap this year. Yeah, so I think they're that's... Tanking. There, there they're tanking. There are reasons... get all up next year in the draft. <laughs> the, the, I mean, they should have got, should have got him this year. <laughs> um, yeah, the I guess maybe... Latifi then becomes my pick, but if he brings in the sponsorship money, then that, that, well, that makes it. Is the like a bit like Stroll and Mazepin? Isn't he? Doesn't he have money? Like, isn't his dad a businessman? I think probably. I don't think to the level of a Stroll, the, but it's the similar dynamic. I think it's a yeah, it's a heavy sponsorship um, pay drive. Um, what about someone again? Probably the same logic of. Um, uh, Giovinazzi, uh, Ocon at Alpine. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, and Ocon is like for all, uh, as much as we banter him, he he is pretty good. He's good. He's, he's a, definitely he's, he's a he's very solid midfield. To be 
a Formula One driver. Although, so was Kvyat. But, you know, whatever, it's fine. I mean, saying that, I'd, I'd take Ocon most days, of the week, if not all days of the week, over Kvyat. Yeah, but you're just a hater, so. <laughs> what just... about Bottas? No, I was just kidding. What about who? Bottas. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. What's the plan? Like in all honesty, it's it's similar to sort of uh, after Vettel had been sort of ousted by Ferrari last year, it was very hard to see where he was going to get back in. Um, But then sort of the the seat that that you didn't think was going to exist existed with Perez leaving uh, Racing Point. Um, I'm not sure what happens with Bottas, really. I guess um, maybe it depends on Lewis, to be honest. would would they keep Bottas? Hypothetical wise, Lewis wins the title this year. He's overtaken Schumacher. He retires, as some people expect he might. Um, so they're left with that hole there, presumably filled by George Russell. Does mm-hmm. Bottas stick around or not? Because that's like an odd. I feel like Mercedes would be just straight away willing to bet, bet everything on on George. That said. It's the season where it's up for grabs, that number one spot. If if Bottas can beat George, he, he becomes the de facto... No, I mean, probably to beat him, he'd have to become the world champion. Um, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, whoever would win that battle would most likely be the world champion. You, given the status quo at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bottas, is, it's, an, it's an odd... Um, like, like you said, it's hard to... It's maybe more than it. It's hard to see that sort of weak link in the driver lineup like um th- there will probably be a change um usually yeah, is. <laughs> yeah if 20 guys keep their seats yeah it, it, i think it's only happened one or two seasons in the last sort of seven or eight nine yeah um but yeah it's tough to say because the candidates that you would like i said the candidates well, actually, that you pick, yeah did it even happen going into last year did anyone change Oh, Latifi for um, Latifi for Kubica, yeah. Or was that it? Oh, Jesus! Uh... I think that's it. Yeah, because obviously Albon had changed mid-season. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track. But yeah, but... like I said, like the, the I think key guys that you'd pick to be most vulnerable are the ones that are financially the most safe. Yeah. Like, the scrubs with, scrubs with money, yeah. I was thinking about it the other week, and I, Lance Stroll's going to have a 15-year career in F1 if he wants to. Yeah. Like if, he, fact, if his dad wants to. Yeah, very good point. Uh, <laughs> but, like, he... All, like, sort of hate aside, like, he's shown enough that he deserves at least a chance in F1. Yeah. Yeah. Would, would he have been given this long of a chance to this point without the money or without this level of money without owning a team? Probably not. He, I think he'd be out of a drive this year if he didn't have the backing of the, the whole team. Yeah, because he was in a pretty bad Williams car and then, yeah, it just so happened Force India was struggling and then that... I think the, as the fact as well that he... bought a team for him to play with. <laughs> the, the fact that he's been basically outclassed like not not saying he's he's not talented, but like he's been outclassed basically every time he's been in a car. Every season. Um so yeah, that without sort of the team backing that you own the team, that wouldn't sort of lend yeah. itself to 
you know him getting a drive elsewhere. Um, yeah. I don't, it, granted, it, it was a little more even than I than I'd anticipated. Twenty seventeen with uh, Felipe Massa, um, he lost by three points. Was that three nil? Yeah, forty three to forty. Um, granted, Stroll oh, Stroll was Williams' last podium, wasn't it? Yeah, Stroll was um, third at Baku. Third at Baku. Felipe missed uh, he missed Hungary. Um, so yeah, maybe ah, a, a little. Would have won by twenty three. <laughs> no, he would have won by twenty eight. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think he would struggle to find a drive if he didn't have that sort of the might of that backing. Yeah. Um, and probably like again, I was thinking about it as well. It, it's sort of like a. Lawrence Stroll has become this massive power broker in F1. The fact that him keeping Lance there has changed the complexion of like the, the entire grid. <laughs> Sorry, I was just having a little coughing fit. <laughs> um, I did think of one other question. So I've got two questions left. One of them isn't on the sheet. Yep. But the other one we kind of... Um, we've pretty much touched on anyway uh, regarding Leclerc and you also brought up George Russell indirectly is the, the ne- the next or the newest world champion yeah. um, on the grid. Uh, it, do you think it's probably going to be one of those two or Bottas? Cause I think with Russell, it, pro- it obviously depends on, you know, getting it. He's, he's probably going to get into that Mercedes seat at some point. Yeah. Whether the regulations have evened everyone out by then. I don't yeah. know. No one knows. Like, um, you'd have to imagine it would be one of Russell, Bottas, Verstappen, or Leclerc. Yeah, I think um, the, the, like the term "future world champion" gets thrown around a lot in F1, and I think it's probably only like it's usually for younger drivers. Like obviously Bottas is there, right? He is the yeah. immediate title challenger. He has been the last couple of years, so he's in that he's in already in that top tier prize fighting category. But yeah, it's Max. George Russell and Leclerc, and those, they're all sort of circumstantial on things breaking their way. So if Red Bull happens to overtake Mercedes this year, Max is probably going to be the world champion. Um, If Lewis Hamilton retires in the next, at the end of this year and the next year, George Russell is the heir apparent out of the Mercedes stable. You would expect him to, as we saw, when he did step into Lewis's car in Bahrain last year. Yeah, if the team doesn't actively, you know, undermine him. Yeah. Um, heartbreaking watching that again. Um, hmm. But yeah, yeah, he is, he's, he has a lot, of, there was a lot of talk about, is George real? There's a lot of talk, not a lot of substance. He hadn't scored in them. Granted, it was in the Williams, but he'd only, you know, he was beating up easy opponents, Latifi, Unfortunately, Robert Kubica. Um, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a whole other story of a tragic career, I guess. Um, yeah, not not for today. No, but yeah, he sort of backed up with sort of a, a, as much uh, sort of tangibility to to that sort of calling him a future world champion that he could in that race. He was extremely impressive. Probably should have won. Um, but I said probably, definitely should have won. Incredible move on Bottas. Um, showed everything that a, that a world champion um, yeah. has in the arsenal. Um, and then Leclerc is going to probably depend on Ferrari, right? 
yeah. if they can get their act together in the next, like Leclerc's awfully young, but yeah, if they if Ferrari can give him a, a contending car, um, it really reminds me of Alonso the way that he can get so much out of the machinery. Um, yeah, I think Verstappen also has that quality. Um, just seems to drag his car up somehow. Um, I think Christian Horner called it magic dust because it, it does seem like that with Verstappen. It's just out of nowhere. Like the management of the tires is so much better than everybody else somehow. Um, yeah. I think um, Claire has that quality as well. Yeah. Obviously, you, you mentioned the term future world champion. Daniel Ricciardo had that tag for a long time. Yeah. That is think... probably a bit too late for him now because you, you don't think he's probably going to get a chance at, I mean, unless McLaren absolutely explode. He probably isn't, he's never going to be at a Mercedes or a Ferrari. Uh, it's unlikely he's going to go back to Red Bull, but you yep. never know, but probably not. Has the time passed? Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for Ricardo because I think if he'd, um, if he, uh, if he was four or five years younger and he had been in Mark Webber's place, he probably does have a world title, at least one at the moment. Um, as much as I love Mark Webber. Older? Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I meant earlier as in four or five years earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah. If he, if he was in that. As much as I love Mark Webber, um, I yep. think Ricardo is a... Aussie grit. <laughs> Ricardo is, is the more talented driver, um, the overtaking ability. Mark Webber, ultra consistent. Um, really underrated driver. He's going to... The further we get away from it, I think people are going to forget just how good Mark Webber was uh, taking it to Vettel. Um, yep. But yeah, I th- had Ricardo been in the Red Bull at that stage, I think he might have taken a world title or two off Seb. Um, we saw in the season where the Red Bull was in decline, he did he did sort of handedly beat Vettel. Um, yep. So yeah, it, it really, again, similar to Leclerc with Ferrari, it comes down to whether McLaren can how quickly they're going to get to the top. Maybe with the regulations change, it it happens, you know, it so happens that McLaren are the top dogs and then I guess instantly Ricardo's in the box seat for world title contention. Um, yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's 31. Okay. He's ultimate circumstantial. Yeah, he's 30, 30, 31, yeah. Yeah, so he's, I think that's sort of why he left Renault as well. Like he doesn't have time to, uh, to waste he can't throw he could, seasons away yeah. anymore he could go to like he could be like Kimmy but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who is just going to keep going like, he seems like he would get bored of it for, not bored of it but he he always said as long as there's the chance of him being a world champion he'd keep going yeah it's, Real, I think a lot of those guys that have, have been but, at the front for yeah. a majority of their careers find it difficult to sort of plot at the back um towards the end of their careers. Yeah. Um, it's it's virtually impossible for me to see Lewis Hamilton doing that. He's, he's not going to, you know... He's not going to have a year at Williams just as a, <laughs> a victory lap. Exactly. Um, oh, the, the stupid thing about Lewis is that he'd somehow find a way to finish, like, fourth in a race in that Williams because it just, like... No, 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 no forget that. He'd probably finish fourth in, a, in that house. <laughs> um, or is that a bridge too far? That might be a bridge too far this year if they're not going to develop the car. Um, I might as well just drive my mum's Subaru XB out there. But yeah, Ricardo, I think it, things have to break incredibly... Things have to go his way development-wise and regulation-wise moving forward. Um, yeah. It is good to see that he's going to be podium competitive again. 
Um, obviously, the podiums last year with Renault, but then, like we said, sort of happened happened at tracks that they would when they were building the car. They didn't anticipate they were going to be on. Yeah. Um, which is just it's it's quite funny. Um, <laughs> given sort of the the Renault. Um, yeah. I'd I'd always feel they'd have him on the wrong strategy or like they'd just be prone to making the sort of like ferrari junior yeah it was the running joke it was the, like, <laughs> that, like R- ricardo would be doing so well and then yeah the the twitter sphere would alight with like bloody renault what have they done now <laughs> i can't wait for renault to somehow screw this one up so the thing i think it just happens to the, the driver you follow regardless because i remember feeling that a lot <laughs> with mark weber it's like oh god you know something's gonna happen mark's leading this race he's he's got it one something's gonna happen like yeah, yeah. multi 21 Exactly. That was, oh, God. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. We'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, there's one more question I had, and that was, uh, th- like I said earlier, there's half the paddock has won a race. Yep. So the driver most likely to become a first-time race winner this year. So just for reference, you have to pick from Esteban Ocon, Lando Norris, the two rookies at Haas, Giovinazzi, uh, Carlos Sainz, Lance Stroll, you, uh, Sonoda, and the two Williams. Yeah. I think I love uh, that to say Gasly in that. Yeah, I think had you asked me last year, it was it's had you uh, you're asking that question last year. It was a much Perez. more interesting. Um, Probably Perez last year. Well, actually, we didn't know how good the racing point was going to be. You know, so all saying that, I would have said Albon. Yeah, actually, yeah. You just you, you have thought, to back you have to back the car, right? Yeah, like, you would have thought one, but yeah, like all the guys at the top teams have like the top four have all won a race now. Science probably isn't that good enough to get that Ferrari. Uh, unless, you know, there's a crazy race where, you know, Hamilton gets a stop go for pitting when it's closed or, you know, something like that. They yeah. got... Well, we we had two last year, so we're not going to have any for the next 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> They're all going to retire. And, oh, everyone's going <laughs> to crash out every race. <laughs> the next 2000 races. Um, yeah, I think if you ask me this question, I will, I'll let you think of your answer first, but I think if you ask me this, it's I'm going to bank on George Russell having to fill in another race at Mercedes, and that's how he's oh, going to okay. first race. Yeah. So that's the circumstantial answer. I think if as is, it's probably going to be um, either Carlos Sainz or Lando Norris based on things breaking yeah. away for one race. Probably Lando Norris based on what you've said about testing. I mean, yeah. Um... That is true. I didn't really think about that just with the question put on me. Um, the George Russell angle. Yeah, so the question is, like, who's the most likely to win this year or who's the most likely to be the next first-time race winner? In Sorry, I, I, okay, I meant this year. Yeah, because if you're asking me specifically who's going to be the next oh, first-time okay. race winner, I think it's George Russell pretty handedly. I mean, to be honest, you should already have one. But, um <laughs> So yeah, if yeah, you're asking, this yeah, year, this year. If, if the, okay, if there is going to be a first-time race winner this year, who is it? Yeah, I think you've nailed, like, the two guys that um, it's pretty obvious. It's either going to be Sainz or Norris, if you had to pick based on the provenance of these cars this year and not of some crazy event happening and Stroll wins. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not, I guess it's not completely out of the question. Um, we nearly, we've well, nearly, yeah, we've like nearly the, had it multiple times. The car, the car's good enough to stroll that he just needs to fall ass backwards into it. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like you know, if if Mazepin is leading after like two laps because everyone's had to pit for some reason. Yeah. Like he's not going to be able to get thirty seconds up the road and then hold off for like forty laps. But yeah, if the if the McLaren is as good as what people are saying it could be, 
I would expect Norris and Ricardo to get multiple podiums this year. Which, if you're saying multiple podiums, you know, they're only one, only one accident. only three on that podium. One accident, one blind engine away from the win. Like, um, yeah, I think I'd probably say Norris. Um, Science Unfor- is obviously yeah. the other. Unfortunately for all these, you know, midfield guys, the torpedo isn't on the paddock anymore, so... Well, I mean, Mazepin is an awfully dirty driver, so we'll have to see if he gets... Firstly, if he gets close to anybody other than (laughs) to be able to do that. Or maybe, like, lap 20 when they're getting lapped, if he just doesn't get out of the way. Yeah, it'll be like Ocon in Brazil on um, (laughs) the staff. It's like, what? I was taking the place back. Like, yeah, but you're a lap behind, mate. (laughs) Can't wait for those amazing... Um, battles between Latifi and Mazepin. That's really what I'm tuning in for this year. <laughs> a couple of little kids on billy carts. Uh, did you have any closing sentiments or statements, things we you wanted to touch on that we've missed? I think we've pretty much covered everything. I even I even worked in that world champion question just so we could talk about George Russell because we haven't really, and I know you love George Russell so much. Big fan of George Russell, future world champion. Um, buying all his cards now. Yeah, we've got all the rookies. The Schumacher rookies. But yeah, is there um, any, any... I mean, did you want to talk a little bit about... Like, I, I don't know whether we talked about it specifically. It was more sort of interwoven through, but did you want to talk a little bit about Drive to Survive or you, you, you're done with it? <laughs> I'm not, I haven't even finished the season yet. I'm not done with it. Uh, one of the other questions was, yeah, most likely to provide the best clip, but that's yeah. obviously Gunter. It's, it's never not going to be Gunter. No, I think we've referenced the documentary enough. Um, uh, yeah, like it, there's references throughout, obviously, the Ferrari engine. Um, having two rookies at Haas, you know, Gasly and Albon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for some reason, when I flew on, I flew from Sydney to Hobart uh, this afternoon and I downloaded three of the episodes to watch on airplane mode on the flight. And for some reason, I, tr- I was up to the Ricardo episode, which is episode five. And yeah, for whatever reason, Netflix downloaded it and then played it and deleted it before I even got on the flight. So I missed that. So I had to watch six and seven. And now I've got to go back and watch five. Fortunately, it's not chronological, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, it was just mildly annoying. Although in fairness, the audio quality, my headphones, the, the highest volume was pretty low still. So I'd rather watch Ricardo in surround sound. I will say, yeah, it's generally pretty like i said earlier it's an ad for f1 but it's generally pretty good it's disappointing that they did miss some events yeah, I've, of I've, this season sorry. spoiler alert um that i don't know what that was that was just me doing a spoiler <laughs> alert just in case um because it was for me but obviously i i mean do we care about spoilers no you've watched it all i mean they, the, they, the season happened last year mate i mean it's more <laughs> it's more spoiling the documentary rather than um, no, but I, I don't think they, yeah, I think people were complaining they didn't cover, uh, George Russell's Mercedes trip. Yeah. In the documentary. That, that and Hulkenberg making his return. Yeah, but I also don't know, I, I was actually surprised that, well, Netflix still had the access they did even after the pandemic, or after the lockdown. Yeah. But then also, I mean, I'm happy they did. I guess it just wasn't any different from normal FOM crew, yeah. I also don't know if they would have been there every weekend. Yeah, they they certainly weren't 
um, I think to me that's what is sort of a a downfall of the series, and not specifically saying that they need to be there every weekend, but the way that the series is set up as like a um, fly on the wall um, sort of yeah. documentary series, rather than um, and not to say that that's bad. In some contexts, it's really really interesting, and you know, and again, I'm already like a big fan of the sport. I'm obviously going to watch it regardless, and not really the target for them. Um, but like, yeah, I think I'd probably be more interested if they took a more I don't want to say a more documentary style, but I think you understand what I mean. Like, um, well, it's similar to the Last Dance. Yeah, I noticed they put in that sort of timeline um, yeah. thing, similar to the Last Dance. Um, and, you know, but no, I'm speaking about huge, you know, unflappable fans of the Last Dance. <laughs> no, I'm saying more. Well, I wish they'd probably. It, it was good this year to see that they had more than one journalist they were talking to, not just like Will Buxton's great, but like. Um, no, they did have that. They, they had. Uh, Chris, what's his name? Medland? Medford? Medland. Medland. Was he? I can, see. I watched all the season two before I watched season three. I, I didn't see him once. He was in season one, I think. I don't yeah. recall him being in season two. But so, then, so yeah, they had. Um, yeah, Jenny Gallus. Yeah. See, for me, it would be a bit more interesting if they had more journalists talk about it. Maybe if they had somebody from Sky. Um, I know they had Rosberg in for like one one or two minutes, but like if they had yeah. former drivers talking about the experience of what, like, uh, again, it's a general series for, to try get to try to get people to watch F1. You should so get Karun Chandok just explaining the... Yeah, him and Anthony Davidson talking about like more technical aspects of the sport. Um, I really enjoy the stuff like, uh, I don't know Over how... Re- Rundle. Exactly. Um, that's why I'm saying get any of the Sky crew in. Um, or like or a commentator, get... like, yeah, cr- yeah. Channel 4, um, Weber and Coulthard or someone. Um, but yeah, I sort of would enjoy if it was a bit more sort of that style of documentary where you're talking to people who cover the sport and giving you a bit more of a sort of, I know it's behind the scenes, but it's more behind the scenes of the drivers rather than what I'm interested in is behind the scenes of I want to see stuff at the factory, um, the, the yeah. contract stuff with Gunter Steiner, although I sort of doubt whether it was real. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean, again, just big bunch of wankers, mate. <laughs> I, I love how, I, uh, as an aside, I love how every <laughs> of the the motorhomes has their own. They they hire their own barista. I thought, I thought that was funny. <laughs> well, that's, that's coffee good machine. Job, mate. That's good. This <laughs> new job. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think we've talked enough about the documentary now. The documentary that shall not be named any further <laughs> for sponsorship reasons. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts, comments, quirks before we sign off? Oh, well, just on on the Drive to Survive series. Um, oh, okay, we're back. <laughs> the bloody hell, mate! No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Are we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You sold me. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. I, yeah, I think we've covered everything in the season. I'm really looking forward to round one in Czech's notes, Bahrain, this this <laughs> yeah, weekend. It's, it's this weekend, mate. Yeah, this weekend. Yeah, for, sure reference, you tune in. Before, for reference, before we started recording, I was like, the season starts this weekend, doesn't it? So, as you can tell, you know, diehard fan over here. But no, I am looking forward to my second full season of watching F1. Hopefully a less pandemic-affected season. Hopefully we'll get, you know, some fans. I know the situation in Europe is a bit whatever. 
Well, they had had fans. They had had fans at a couple, but I feel like that's more governments like just letting people in. Like Russia is Russia. Yeah. I think uh, you, you want to say something about like how F1 have handled COVID. They've done reasonably well. Um, they were yeah. one of the first sports back, and then they took their show around like relatively around the world, not completely the whole calendar, but like they got to, you know, they had yeah. a 17 race season. It was pretty. Yeah, crazy. they got to like. Well, around the world, it was really just Europe and the Middle East. I think it was, yeah. what, like 12 or 13 countries? Yeah, but they didn't, obviously, they had to cut out all of the Americas, Australia, like far Asia, which is fair enough. Like, I wasn't expecting them to come down here in, like, August, September. I think, like, as much as, obviously, it was hard to get into those countries, but then also, like, the freight has to be, I think... Um, Logistically, I it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. See, I, that's, again... I don't want to bring up the documentary, but they, haven't, <laughs> they don't talk much about the logistics, which to me, it's fascinating. The logistics is F1. Because at the, the absolute... Cut, you get the odd cutaway of them just packing up a car, like yeah. a couple of nondescript boxes and then, oh, yeah. But like uh, a couple of years ago, that I guess, it, I don't want to say the height of F1, but certainly cost-wise, the height of F1, like the teams, most of the big teams would have five sets of everything that they would have constantly moving around the world. So like they'd have the race in Australia and then they'd pack that up and then they'd ship it to the U S for a race in six months. Cause then it gets there and then what it, yeah. Need <laughs> yeah. that in season four. Is there a season four confirmed? Y- you'd think so. Although Netflix have a terrible habit of canceling, se- canceling series after three or four seasons because given their internal numbers, that's when people stop watching. So it's not worth them putting more money into stuff. Yeah. Well, I want a season four. Oh, well, I, the, the fact that it is basically an ad for F1 would suggest that there's going to be a season four and five and who knows. Season 34, uh, Lance Stroll's first world championship. Jeez, he, he's going to be like <laughs> like 50 years 35, old. He's 35. <laughs> um. But yeah, that I think that'll just about do us. Um, do you have anything to promote? No. No. <laughs> no <laughs> watch just, watch just, the F one this weekend <laughs> on on Fox Sports. <laughs> Fox five oh six. Tune in. I don't know. It'll be like eight pm practice KO one. I don't better. know. Ko for most people, mate. Yeah, Ko for better for the uh, better experience. Yeah. Uh, can, where can we follow you on on Twitter for for the one tweet every six months that you send out? Uh, I just prefer people don't follow me. Um, Fair enough. No, it's Tim uh, R Ray on on Twitter. Again, yeah, I'm sure I'll link it somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm not worth following anymore. Uh, uh, obviously, you can follow me at Ben S Quag. Oh, I hate saying that. Um, it just sounds weird out loud. Uh, and you can also follow the site at Beyond T Fence because someone else took Beyond the Fence and I'm really annoyed. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again same time next week.